Welcome to Knowledge for Caregivers. My name is Kathy, the host of this podcast. Since I have been a geriatric nurse for almost 10 years, helping seniors age in place, I'm going to give you the knowledge that I used to help my own family so you can help your family. Welcome back to this episode where we continue on the topic we started last week about early dementia. Last week, we talked about the early signs of dementia, why I think it's important that we get an early diagnosis of dementia. As I said again, dementia is a broad category that means memory loss. The two main types that happen to older individuals is Alzheimer's and vascular dementia. Alzheimer's is when there are plaques and tangles that interfere with the nerves being able to communicate with each other in the brain. There are two medications that are now on the market that can help those nerves communicate more effectively and allow the person to remain independent a little bit longer. Vascular dementia is when there's been a cutoff of blood supply to the brain. It can be damage that comes from chronic hypertension, chronic diabetes, or even from a blood clot like a stroke. There are also many other reasons that a person can get dementia, and some of those can be treated. Things like infection, inflammation, or dehydration. Sometimes people have been diagnosed with dementia, but they have also found brain tumors. Another reason to get an early diagnosis is to then to begin to work on a plan of care. There are quite a number of areas that a family member needs to make sure to help the person with early dementia. The first thing we always look at is safety. Can they still drive safely? Many people say, well, my dad just drives to the grocery store and back. It's important to go with him in the car. I once went to assess a gentleman and you could tell he had scrapes and bruises all over his arms and his face. He had just driven to the grocery store, but he got turned around and then did not know where he was at. He finally pulled into a parking lot at 5 a.m. and just started walking. Eventually, he got exhausted, and somebody found him along the side of the road. When they picked him up, he could actually tell them his address, and they were able to take him home. They did also call the police who called the son. After that, they did not allow their dad to drive anymore. It's important to not just assume your parent or loved one will tell you the truth about their driving, but to actually get in the car with them and see how they're doing. Another thing to look at is sometimes people will wander away. They will just walk out of their house, maybe to go for a walk, again, like driving, but something doesn't look familiar. They will get turned around and they can get lost. Another area of safety that we look at is, are they able to manage their medications? Many people will get their days and nights mixed up. So they may take their medicine twice or they may not take it at all. Thankfully, we have medication dispenser machines. They give a beep, the person takes their medication. The newer ones even have apps so that the family can look on there and see that they actually took their medication. What you will see on the app is that they actually took the medication out of the machine. 
you cannot actually make sure that they swallowed it. Sometimes they'll take it out of the machine and they've already forgotten what they need to do with the medication. At this point, many family members will get one of those buttons that you've seen a commercial for, help, I've fallen, I can't get up. Those are definitely very useful, but it's important to make sure that your loved one actually knows how to use it. I've had several occasions where a family member fell outside. They were discovered by the neighbor. They had one of those buttons on, but they could not remember how to use it. If they do have one of those buttons, you also have to think, how are the paramedics going to get into the house? At this point, I almost always recommend that family members get a lock with a code on it. It needs to be with the company that has their help I can't fall in button so that when that company calls the paramedics or the police, they have a code to get in the house. Trust me, it will save from having to break down the door. The other thing is to make sure that they are not doing something like cooking and leaving the stove on, which can burn down the house. I once took care of a client. They were living in an independent living apartment. They got kicked out of that apartment because they would forget that they were leaving the water running and they actually had flooded the downstairs apartments. This is a time where it's very good to maybe get a caregiver in the home or somebody who can observe them over a period of about a week to determine their safety. As I explained in our last episode, people with dementia will have stress. The reason they have the stress is they're constantly confused. They don't know what day it is. They sometimes don't remember where they're at. I once had a friend, and I can remember her saying to her mom, Mom, I know if you try really, really hard, you can remember what you were going to do today. That just creates stress. The worst thing we can say is, do you remember? Can you imagine someone coming to you and saying, hey, I know if you tried really, really, really hard, you could climb this really tall mountain, even though you're not in shape and you've never done any training to climb a mountain. When we ask people to remember something, we're asking them to do something they cannot do. We are setting them up for failure. It's very, very important then to make sure not to say, don't you remember we told you this? Just go on. One of the things I found that a lot of people can do, even when they have severe dementia, they can actually still read. I found it very helpful to make notes. I had a gentleman that promised his daughter he would not drive, but he kept forgetting. We just put a note by the door that he would go out and say, you promised your daughter not to drive. And if he started to drive, the caregiver showed him the note and he would not go driving. But we don't want to just say, don't you remember this? We also want to give them tasks that they can be successful at. Are they still able to do a hobby? Continue to let them do that. Are they good at folding clothes? Can they beat the eggs? Can they do some simple repairs? Only you will know what things they are doing successfully. If they're getting dressed and taking a shower successfully, then let's just let them do that and not try to intervene. And it's okay when they're frustrated with something to say, hey, is there something I can help you? They will usually tell you, yes, I can't get my sleeve in this coat. Please help me out. Let them continue with as many hobbies as they are still able to do. I had a gentleman 
who had been scammed out of quite a bit of money. He was the main caregiver for his wife, but he now had developed dementia. His son went to court in order to get guardianship over him. One of the requests of the guardianship court was that every month the son would come over and go over the finances, the checkbook, and the bank statement. It was a little annoying for the son to have to do that every month, but it was very fulfilling for his father. His father would take that bank statement even after the son left and would go over it, constantly working on balancing his books. That gentleman had once been a small business owner, and that was something he did quite often. He often didn't understand it, and he would sometimes lose his train of thought, but it was a fulfilling activity for him. One of the hard things to do is to encourage them to engage in physical activities. The best thing is not to say, hey, go for a walk. It's to do things with them. Turn on a video of some simple exercises that they can do. There's all kinds, whether you're sitting in a chair or standing up. I had a client that had a stroke, but he still liked going to the YMCA where they had a gym. They hired a caregiver who would just sit and work with him. They would do the exercise bike together. They would do a few weight lifts together, and he really enjoyed it. It kept him physically active, and it also gave a time for the wife to take a break from caregiving. On the other hand, don't push them into something that would frustrate them. It's very important to create daily routines. It really helps them to remember what's going on. If every day we get up with a dementia person and do the same thing, they go to the bathroom, they shave, they eat breakfast. After that, they may go brush their teeth, get dressed, and maybe do some simple exercises. Many people with dementia will develop what we call muscle memory. That's why even though maybe they can't tell you a whole lot, they can still do some things that they've always done just because they're used to doing it. That's why a daily routine really helps them. It gives them stability. It's also important to encourage things that they like to do. I had a friend whose father passed away. They moved their mother in with them. She wanted the mother to get out and go do all these activities in the community. Her mother had never done that. She always liked staying home and taking care of her family. She finally realized her mother just wanted to put around the house and hang out with her kids. She didn't mind if her kids went and did activities. And lastly, if possible, encourage them to eat healthy, especially if you're dealing with vascular dementia, as this will prevent other episodes from happening. Having said that, I would say be careful about being militant on the healthy eating. I have a client who's 95 years old, very hard of hearing. She will not eat anything that's not chocolate. It is better for her to get calories at this point than to just eat healthy. Obviously, she doesn't have any blood sugar problems, cholesterol problems. Therefore, the family lets her eat what will keep her weight up. Many people with dementia forget to eat and they do have the problem of losing weight. If they're very overweight, that can be a little bit of a good thing. But most of the time, they will get very underweight. Anyway, back to this 95-year-old. She eats chocolate pudding for breakfast. They give her like a cookie, but that's more of a breakfast-type cookie that has chocolate in it. And she sits at the table eating her chocolate kisses. At 95, if all she wants to do is eat chocolate, and that keeps her happy, then I say go for it. Again, there are many things that we can do in the early stages of dementia that can improve the quality of life of our loved ones. 
I encourage you to read up, to listen and try the different things that I have mentioned on this podcast. All information is meant for informational purposes only and is not meant to replace medical advice. Thank you for listening to this podcast, Knowledge for Caregivers. You can check out my website, kathysconsulting.com or send me any questions at my email, info at kathysconsulting.com. Do not forget to leave me a review of this podcast or give suggestions for other shows. Thank you to all the dedicated caregivers out there.